Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Dear Ruby podcast where we answer all your personal finance questions. During COVID-19, we have bringing we have been bringing you, I guess I'm just going to have to fumble over that cuz the second time we tried it, but we have been bringing you uh special episodes uh focused on COVID-19 and how it affects your personal finances. Um all the federal benefits that have been offered, all the provincial benefits that have been offered, all the different ways that people have been affected by COVID-19, whether you've lost your job, whether you're working from home with kids, uh, whether your hours have been reduced. And now that things are starting to reopen, whether you're being asked to come back into work and what you feel about that. Uh, there's a lot of questions we've been getting, especially around CERB. We know that it has now been extended for another eight weeks. So the federal government had first offered CERB for a period of 16 weeks that you can take in four-week chunks, and now they're offering eight more weeks for those people that still continue to be affected uh, by COVID-19, whether you're sick with it or because you've lost your job due to it. If you you work at a gym, it's still not open. Some businesses still have not come back. And even those that have come back, they're not coming back in the same capacity, so they may not be hiring the people that they first laid off. I wanted to bring in my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Uh, Bo, it's been a quiet week news-wise, but still lots going on when it comes to the pandemic. Yeah, I, uh, the big thing for me is daycare starts on Monday. And right. also Kayla goes back to uh, school, or, which is the hospital um, for medical school, on Monday as well. So that's what we're getting ready for. It's... Um, we just don't know. That's all. We're, 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 everybody's ready. Everybody's got the, the plans. Everybody knows how it's going to work. But, you know, will it be like in 24 hours and then everyone has to be sent home because somebody's got COVID? I don't know. Right. It's, it, there's always possibilities like that. But we, all, we just hope for the best. Um, you know, employers and, uh, you know, everybody has they have to have understanding uh, of this really different situation that we're all in. So normally you'd be like, oh, I, I'm sick for a day, but I'll be back tomorrow. But if you have COVID, for example, you're you're off for a couple of weeks, right? You can't go back into work. And I've been seeing on, on Twitter some employers just reacting as if uh, everything is as it was. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to shift your mind a little bit that, hey, this isn't the way that it was. If somebody w- uh, was like, oh, uh, I can't come in. It's not their fault, right? They're like n- number one, they're they're sick. They're probably they could be really sick, mm-hmm. or they're going uh, by whatever the emergency orders are or, or quarantine law for that matter. So uh, to make somebody feel bad for having COVID, which is what I've seen a couple of times on Twitter, mm-hmm. that's that's a terrible way to way to run your business first of all, or and and to treat other people. So yeah. understanding is more important now than ever. I think so. And as things are starting to open up, not just here in Ontario, but across the country, there's a lot of questions as to, you know, what my rights are. If I'm still anxious about COVID-19, do I have to go back to work? The message I've been getting from employment lawyers is that um, there is a lot of accommodation being made uh, because of COVID-19, especially here in Ontario. And so that if you have basically any concern, you are allowed to bring it up with your employer and ask for accommodation. And that includes things like my children are still at home. I have no daycare options. I have anxiety over the fact that I may get sick. So your employer is obligated to hear your um, hear your concerns and accommodate you uh, if it's possible. Some jobs just are impossible to do from home. 
Uh, but in most cases, people who are working from home, even if, you're, if your place of business is opening up, you can very much make the uh, argument that I still want to be at home and this is the only way that I can actually be productive because coming into work is just impossible for me for all for all a diff- all different reasons, including childcare, including mental health issues, including the fact that um, you just may not be feeling safe because maybe you have an immune compromised person that lives with you. Yeah, and, and employment employment law aside, um, as an employer, uh, it's your it's in your best interest to to not have a really stressed out employee. And probably if you're like, oh, well, you come in or you're fired, well, it's going to cost you money to get a new person in anyway. And, I mean, are they going to be any better at the beginning? Like, that's the condition for, for any uh, replacement of somebody. But, like, are you going to uh, give up a new uh, – or sorry, a good employee uh, because you think that things should be a certain way and people should work from an office because of that belief? Is that worth it for you to uh, – let somebody go or compromise their well-being, um, whether you think the concern is valid or legal or not, something that all employers need to think about. Mm-hmm. And pe- people can still do good work from home, whether it's the what you expected your employees to be doing or not. I mean, you can run your business however you like, but you know, in the end, you got to think about these things more. And uh, some people react to a pandemic differently than others. Doesn't mean they're not going to be able to do good work in a different way. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to get to some listener questions that we got. We have two today. Um, one of the questions I get more more than anything else is about CERB. The first, when it was first launched, what is CERB? How do I apply for it? Who mm-hmm. who uh, who actually um, qualifies for it? And now the big tax question, right? So this question comes from Daniel. Um, it, he says, as you may know, the CERB benefit is taxable, which means CERB recipients may find themselves owing taxes next spring on the payments they got this year. Uh, most people aren't used to this. Very good um, observation. Most people are used to having their taxes taken off their paycheck and then seeing some sort of return typically at tax time. So this could be a shock to people. Do you have any advice for CERB recipients, essentially unemployed people, how, as to how they prepare for this? Um, so from my perspective, I would say that Anyone who is receiving CERB, I would assume that most of them are unemployed. I don't think employed people are getting CERB, although you can make $1,000 in the four-week period that you're collecting CERB uh, to put away at least 20% of your CERB uh, benefit. And if you can guesstimate what your total income is going to be for 2020, so say you normally make $65,000 a year, you've been laid off, and now for the period that you're taking CERB, you can kind of guess, okay, where am I going to be at by the end of the year, depending on when I get back? I would say, you know, be very conservative with those numbers, uh, you know, may, maybe even base it on your full salary as if you were still making money in these these three, four months, and then you will know um, how much tax you will, ha- you will have to pay on that salary, and then you can you can get a better idea of how much of the CERB you should be putting aside. The calculator will tell you what percentage uh, of um, a tax you are going to pay, and they'll help you kind of make a decision about how much money you should be putting aside. And what's good about uh, calculators is they consider uh, things like the minimum income threshold before you actually are charged tax. Like if you make total less in Canada, federally, less than 13 grand, and the the provinces have lower lower amounts, I think it's in Ontario, it's uh, 10,500, something like that. 
10,783 this, uh, this year around, uh, and the federal one is 13,229. So if you make less than that total, then, well, you don't pay any tax at all. But uh, you don't have a very good quality of life if you d if you make less than that, right? Maybe you have money from other sources, but let's just assume that you're making the minimum because uh, you know r at least to pay rent, you got to and buy groceries, you got to be able to do that. So if you um, uh, put in the calculator, it's not that like the whole you know say twenty five thousand dollars you're making is uh, is being taxed at twenty percent, uh, but you're probably making the minimum in income and the CERB itself is going to be over and above that minimum. That's that's the more typical situation. So yeah, that CERB will be taxed at your marginal tax rate, which, you know, in this case, uh, in, in Ontario, for example, uh, provincial and federal combined is about just over 20%. And uh, the, uh, just a comment on Daniel's uh, uh, point about uh, most people aren't used to this. Um, I mean, he's right. Uh, this is what a lot of uh, business owners go through uh, when they uh, start a business for the first time. On top of that, they, they have HST that they collect often too. So not only do they have to think about the taxes, they have to think about don't spend that HST that you collect on top of the, the, the sales you make. But it's not uncommon, this situation. It's just um, not for people who have been used to a T4 their whole life. So th this is the same advice we would give to anyone who has a business. You collect money from someone for something you did. Not all of that money is yours, especially the HST. Just mm -hmm. put that in an account right away. And then the income mm -hmm. taxes, well, figure it out. Overestimate, 25%. Mm -hmm. it, if you right. can afford to put 30% in, do that. Then you'll get a nice bonus at the end. I mean, it's still, you know, you don't want to underestimate because then you've got to find the money somewhere else, right? Right. And I'm assuming that by, you know, next year tax time, so April 30th next year when we have to file our returns, that the economy is not going to be roaring ahead. It's still probably going to be sputtering mm. from everything that's been happening with COVID-19. So you may still be in a position where you haven't been able to find work that um, replaced your income from before the pandemic. Uh, you may still be struggling to get all the hours that you had before the pandemic. We don't really know what situation we'll be in. There's no sure. end date to this pandemic. And one thing we are almost certain of is that um, it's going to be here for a while. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of estimates are 18 months to two years. So that means we could be under lockdown again, especially in the fall when they're worried about this, this virus returning. Although in Canada, we have done very well with flattening the curve, but we never, we don't want to over be over optimistic. And so that means, you know, in April you may still, or you may just have just started that job um, and are starting to pay down mm. your debts. So just be, a, I would, my best advice would be is know your marginal tax rate uh, put at least 20% of um, the CERB that you get away. If you can, like you said, put a little bit more. And um, if you are not, if you don't need to spend the whole CERB, don't. Like definitely don't use that money on um, going out or entertainment. Like really just use it for your essentials and bank the rest because, you know, you could just treat it like a tax return if you, if you, if you don't need to pay any, um, if you don't have a tax bill in, in April. Yeah. It's a good idea because, yeah, people could get carried away for sure. So the other one came to me through Facebook, and uh, this uh, woman wrote, I'm stressing out a bit. My husband and I still haven't done our taxes due to COVID. Uh, does this mean I won't get my July child tax? Now, you looked into this, but what did you find out about um, about about this? Well, that's, uh, the short answer is, uh, yeah, you won't get your child tax. 
Um, be, <laughs> well, won't you well, get it be, based on 2018, uh, 2018 okay. numbers? So yeah. that's a good question. I, I didn't see that. But the, the answer that I have is you got to do your previous tax, year's taxes to get your child tax because the, it, it's about eligibility, right? If you don't have your taxes done, you didn't do anything, right? They don't know that you if you made uh, $300,000. So they can't assume that your situation is exactly the same. Now that's a good question, though. I don't know. Do they continue it? I have a feeling no. Do you have uh, Do you have any uh, evidence of otherwise? So what I understand is that during COVID, so you're right. During regular circumstances, if you don't file your taxes, then after your June child tax benefit, then you will not be getting that benefit until you file your taxes, and then they can figure out what exactly what how much benefit you actually are owed. Yes. But in this case, they're saying for the July and August payments, they will continue on the same schedule or the same payments as you were getting for you know after you filed your 2018 taxes but warning canadians that when you do finally file if you collected too much benefit you will have to pay it back so my best advice to this uh person is that file your taxes it's just good civic duty you know like it's a good thing to do uh, as a canadian uh to file your taxes and have them all up to date um and if you do get that benefit in July and August before you file them and you think maybe it might be more, so you're thinking, okay, in 2020, uh, maybe I made more money, or sorry, rather 2019, maybe I made more money than 2018, so my benefit will be lower. I would save it just to make sure that uh, when you finally file your taxes, that if they're asking for you know a few hundred dollars back, that you have that money set aside. If you don't need it, that is, which is really hard to tell people during this time, but that's the only yeah. way that you can protect yourself is by not using that money until you know it's actually yours. And it may be if one of your kids uh, 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 grew older and doesn't qualify anymore, too, exactly, during that yeah. time, right? Because that's one that CCB does run out. Uh, eventually, your kids get old and, and they, you don't get the money anymore. Um, are you you're saying then in September, though, they, they will cut it off if you hadn't filed your taxes, right? Right. So, so everything is everything's kind of been shifted. So the 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 tax deadline, which was June first, and then June fifteenth for self employed. Really, if you wanted to, you could take until September to file. So this woman mm. still has time. So meaning August thirtieth, the end of August, uh, because your tax bill is not due. So all of the the normal uh, tax that they collect, which usually we have to pay on April thirtieth, you don't have to pay that until the end of August. And this is all because of COVID-19. Yeah. This is all to help Canadians. I know a lot of people are hanging on to money that they have they owe to the CRA because they just want to make sure that their cash flow situation doesn't get uh, too tight. And so if they need to, they can dip into that money and then find it later uh, you know, down the road or, or borrow to pay their tax bill off. But at least they have cash to, to spend. Um, so for this woman, I would say file your taxes, uh, and pay your whatever bill you you owe, or even you know in in many cases get your return back, and then your benefits will not be interrupted. And this is true not just for uh, the child tax benefit, but for for OAS, which is clawed back at a certain amount. So the government needs to know how much money you made the previous year, so they know how much OAS to give you, and other benefits like the guaranteed income supplement for seniors. That's another one that is um, is based on your income. So it's really important to file your taxes on time. So that those benefits don't get interrupted, and even worse, if you get it and then have to pay it back when you finally file. And I think, uh, you know, for COVID-specific things, definitely call or or, or, or uh, contact the CRA if you have specific questions like this. Because yeah, like 
my answer was based on just regular everyday life. If you're listening mm-hmm. to the future, definitely you got to file your taxes before you get things, right? Uh, they have some exceptions for COVID, but the, and they also changed a lot too. So you know, by August, maybe they'll be like, okay, well, since we extended CRB, well, maybe uh, it's okay, then you keep getting your child tax till September or October or something, right? Who knows what they're gonna? So just look into it, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, don't do what I did and look for general information either, right? Look, look for the COVID-specific stuff. Uh, but if you're listening to this in the future, uh, definitely you're not going to get your child tax if you don't file your taxes, because um, they can't they can't just guess, right? But that's that's why they switch it over, I think. And I mean, correct me if uh, if I'm wrong about this. I think that's why they pick June and July as the switchover months, right? Because by then they will have likely received your taxes because they were would have been due in April, right? right? Right. So it gives you like okay that time to to do your taxes late, but you don't get your child tax cut off like you know May first. Um, so they've already done that, which is why they're doing this again to the end of August. So it makes sense, right? They extended the tax deadline, then they should extend the 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 child tax uh, uh, deadline if you want to call it that as well. Um, so yeah, just uh, keep an eye on this kind of stuff. But um, usually, general rule of thumb: file your taxes on time. If if you think that they're a little bit wrong or something, I I, I don't know. It's I know it's intimidating to file taxes sometimes because you just got to gather all the information. I, you know, I, I I disagree. I don't think it's intimidating. Yeah, really. Do it every it's all simplified year. now. Okay. Yeah, it's so simple. I mean, if you have a T four, there's so many softwares that are like, and often if you're using the same software year over year. It's already generated 90% of your information. Just do it. I mean, it's really, so I, think, it. I think taxes are one of those things that people think are hard and they're not. I mean, I'm the same way. I do get anxiety during tax time because I have all different types of income stream and, and you know, sometimes it can be complicated, uh, but it's in your best interest to file it. It's like I said, it's your civic duty. It's one of the things that we just have to do living in a society where, um, you know, we depend on tax income in order for tax revenue, in order for things to uh, things to happen and um, the government needs your money so you know or that you need to get your return back so just file your taxes and then that's just going to mean that you have another year until uh, you have file the next one now if you file late then you know the next return date is going to be like six months from now and that's going to stress you out too i wanted to read quickly uh exactly what the uh, federal government's saying and so it's uh, i'm going to tweet it out on dear ruby sure. on the twitter Perfect. handle uh, due to the extended tax filing deadline, it was announced that eligible Canadians who are presently receiving the Canada Child Benefit, or CCB, will continue to receive these payments until the end of September 2020. So actually, you're going to get it for... End of September. Great. Yeah, end of September. So payment amounts will be based on information from your 2018 returns. If their 2019 return has not been filed or assessed in time to calculate the benefit, uh, that those will be the entitlements from July to September. Now, you are still required to file your 2019 return. It's not like you can just, you know, go ahead and not do it. If the CRA is unable to assess your return by early September, your estimated benefits or credits will stop in October 2020, and you'll have to repay the estimated amounts that were issued to you starting in July 2020. So, file your taxes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is, I mean, a lot of people that come into uh, our offices and file insolvency is because they got stuck with some CRA debt because they got overpaid. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, uh, EI overpayment, child tax overpayment, uh, these things, they, they, they get you, right? And, um, yeah, you don't want to be caught in this situation. A lot of people will come in and they don't have like five or six years of taxes filed. filed. Oh and what God. the uh, CRA does is they arbitrarily assess your taxes. So w- what that means is 
if you they take the last tax return that you you filed and they just take a guess as to what the next years would be when they're trying to assess how much tax you owe. Mm -hmm. So if you had a really great year uh, of income <laughs> and you paid $20,000 in taxes and then the next three years you didn't file because you didn't make any money, the CRA could assess you at $20,000 a year for those missing years. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is file that bad, or not bad, but low return, mm -hmm. and that $20,000 goes away, and people don't even realize that. So sometimes they'll come and they'll, they'll talk to us, and we're like, oh, well, you should, you should file your taxes. Just go see this person. They'll help mm -hmm. you clear it all up. You know, it won't cost very much because sometimes people have to pay to get things done. It's just mm -hmm. how, how it goes, right? And it turns out, like, they're owed money. By the you know the CRA thinks they owe them sixty grand or something, and they actually the CRA owes them instead because they they actually just never did it. So taxes are one of the things that are, are really important to do. The CRA only cares that you're up to date, mm -hmm. right? They mm -hmm. they don't they're not going to come after you for something that doesn't exist. But if you don't have anything filed, they care now. They want completeness. They that's their thing, right? They're not they don't they don't have personal grudges. Mm -hmm. They just look at the empty holes and they want them to be uh, filled, right? That's it. Mm -hmm. The CRA is not out to get you. I think that's a message yeah. that I want to make true. very clear. Uh, people yeah. think that, you know, I see, oh, you know, I think the CRA is trying to get me. I'm like, what? They're not, they're not interested they're not. in getting me. That's not, <laughs> they don't not, care about you. They're not like a <laughs> crime organization. They're a yeah. legitimate they're a legitimate function of a democratic society and you got to yeah. pay your taxes and you got to file your taxes and there's just no other way to explain it. Um, yeah. So I wanted to move on. There's a couple of surveys I wanted to talk about that came out uh, recently. One of them, uh, pretty obvious, but uh, many Canadians feeling stressed about paying bills this summer. You know, a couple uh, a couple years ago, BMO, well, BMO used to do this uh, survey all the time where they would assess how much Canadians are going to spend in the summer. And it was always in the 5000 range. So they would, you know, talk to a family of four and say, what are your spending, um, you know, what are your spending expectations this summer? What do you, mm. where do you plan on doing? And it was always, you know, the, the lion's share of it, of it was always a holiday. So, you know, like you were planning on going to Italy, so you probably would be in that $5,000 range, you know, like thousands of yeah. dollars to go to Italy. Well, the flights they, were 1800 I mean, That's exactly. what the voucher You're not going to just right? go and drink, uh, you know, um, you're going to go and do stuff, right? You're going to go. Water and costs see. money. If you're going to say water, it costs two, two euros for a quarter liter. <laughs> Although last time I went to Italy, they now have a lot of free water fountains. Well, they lot. do. Yeah. So in, in Rome and stuff. Fountain. Yeah, they did. But there were places where like in a restaurant, you're sitting in a restaurant, you just want a glass of water. Two euros. There you go. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, no. No tap water. Anyway, I digress. Please continue. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, the point is, is that traveling is expensive, right? It's not the cheapest way to spend your time. Um, so $5,000, you know, it seems like a big number. But when you add up travel, you add up all the times you have people over because that's like more likely the time you're going to entertain or you're going to go in. You know, sure. even when, you know, Ron and I will sometimes go over to a person's house and I'll kind of add up the numbers in my head. I'm like, hmm, I spent about a hundred bucks, you know, like I bought like a little bottle of wine and then maybe yeah. I made a dish and they have two kids I haven't seen for a while. So I bought them a little gift and I'm thinking, oh, you know, like I bought it in bits. So I didn't really think about it as a big $100 purchase. But in the end, you know, it costs money even to, to go somewhere, to be and entertained Uber, by maybe. someone. Maybe even Uber there and back exactly. if you're, dr when you if you're Uber drinking. It, yeah. right? Add in all those extra costs because no drinking and driving, right? And never in my that's house, right. that's for sure. Yeah. And, um... And so, yeah, so like that could be 30, 40 bucks that you didn't, you know, you didn't really, you didn't, don't really factor into the fact that it's part of your, your night out, but it is right. It's, it's part of the cost. So, um, this, I'm not surprised about Canadians feeling stressed because I have noticed 
even with the pandemic, the people are trying their best to still have a regular summer, which means going on a holiday, renting a cottage because you can't really leave the country and uh, doing other things that just make them feel a bit normal again. And this survey by Borowell found that 63% of Canadians feel stressed about paying their bills. And, uh, you know, it, it has everything to do with the pandemic, the fact that people have lost their jobs, the fact that cost of, um, you know, living just generally has gone up even before the pandemic started. Um, and that a, a lot of the bills that they have been used to paying because of their income, they just simply cannot afford to keep up with. And they've had to defer mortgages, take the cars off of insurance, do all these like sort of extra things um, and still stressed about summer bills. You know, people are already just paying their bills exactly on time um, and they don't have money to pay them ahead of time. So this is a this is a tough thing, right? It's not like oh, let's just get the bills out of the way and uh, uh, everyone is paycheck to paycheck. Uh, so th- this just COVID just made it so much harder. So now now they're not only uh, able unable to make their bills, but they're deferring things, and it just yeah, I'm not surprised at this. Uh, the people I talk to every week, they're just like, okay, I can make my bills uh, if I move this around, if I carve them into different pieces, and I'm thinking. I, you know, just have a, a little bit of a buffer in there. You got to build that buffer up first, then you don't have to worry about that stuff for pandemics and for just regular life, right? But yeah, that's, you know, I mean, again, I'm trying not to shame people uh, for not having an emergency fund or anything like that, but uh, this is the reality. So a pandemic has uh, just made it worse. Yeah, so much worse. And, um, you know, this survey that they did uh, looked at um, how people were feeling when the pandemic first hit. So it found that, uh, you know, respondents were feeling very anxious about their finances, 74%. I would be in that category as well. And the anxiousness has come down. Now they're saying 53%, but that's still quite a lot of people feeling really anxious about their future. And then, you know, the uh, the headline number there, 63% saying, they you know, they just can't afford to pay their bills. Um, Borowell, as you know, is a, is a company that um, offers loans, uh, small loans to, to uh, Canadians. Uh, they also have this free credit score check that you can do. And they made a point, which I think is really important when it comes to credit scores, is that even missing one payment can lower your score by over 150 points. So and this is, you know, I think you and I both attended that, um, that, that um, panel where we talked about credit scores. So missing a credit card payment, missing a mortgage payment, missing a utility payment, those were the top three ways that you can you can lower your score. Uh, keeping up with those payments is a top way that you can keep your score higher. So if you're really worried about your credit score, maybe next year you want to uh, you know, apply for a mortgage and, and, and buy a new house, uh, keep on top of those bills because those are the ones that seem to affect your credit score more than anything. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, Borowell's uh, fine. It's a uh, it's sort of like a credit report uh, light because they get them in volume from uh, Borowell gets them from Equifax, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's trans- a soft uni- check as they call it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, yeah, the, I'm not worried about how Borowell affects the credit. I'm just saying that the credit uh, information that they provide to people is not 100% detailed as a, opposed to what you would get directly from Equifax for free from their website. Uh, people have been re- reporting that you know proposals show up as bankruptcies, and you don't get the detail on the collection section and stuff like that too. So, just you know, but it's a good way to get a free credit score. But mm-hmm. uh, just be careful. Uh, you should always pull the reports directly from Equifax and TransUnion directly, um, and uh, just make sure you, the, all the information is accurate there. But of course, you won't get your score that way. 
And I should also mention the score is a lo uh, sometimes uh, meaningless because it's not the ones that the banks see anyway. Uh, so don't uh, hang your uh, your value on your score so much. Either. Yeah, and, yeah, and my score went down when we bought a house last August, and so obviously we took more debt in order to buy it. Um, so my score uh, went down because um, that part of your score is based on the fact that you are how much debt you have, how much how, you know, how much. Yep. If you go to a bank, if I go to a bank today, they're going to say, "Well, you have this mortgage you're paying. How can you afford to pay this other loan back that you're asking us for?" So having it's not about being you know bad at your finances. It's also about how much debt you're in. So if you're in more debt, uh, your score is lower because you're considered bigger a bigger risk to uh, to lend to. Yeah, it's a complicated uh, calculation, and again, it differs all across the board between Equifax, TransUnion, and the banks, and uh, depending on what people are looking at and what they're looking for, um, we should. Uh, I, I feel like we should give a shout-out to, to Richard uh, Moxley, who wrote the credit game and is a credit expert. He would have been part of that panel, right? Yeah, he um, was. He was on that panel. I learned a yeah. lot that day, actually. Yeah, yeah well, Richard, uh, he has a, a bit of a, 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 a access... Uh, uh, that he has to pay for, that he would charge people for, of course, uh, to be able to get uh, into the credit uh, reporting system and, and make some changes and have a look. So he's actually quite, a, uh, he's got a, uh, um, he's a, he's a credit expert, right? And so he knows things that we don't know because he does this every single day uh, to help people fix their credit, to, to, to look into things, to investigate, to try to give them advice to, to, to improve um, sometimes it involves, um, you know, a, a lot of conversations with Equifax and TransUnion because they can be difficult. They, they have security uh, uh, levels that you have to get past, and uh, they're not government agencies. They're private companies. And uh, so, you know, just the, the, I guess the conclusion is stay on top of your credit uh, and uh, stay on top of the bills. It's more important than you think. Um, especially if you do want something like a mortgage or a car loan in the future, which is, you know, what credit is for, right? Okay. Another survey uh, we wanted to mention, uh, sort of on the same uh, same wavelength as the last one, it was done by Cuber, which is a, 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 a also another finance app, helps people with their day-to-day -day personal finances. Uh, they found that 65% say they need to pay more attention to their money, because of the pandemic. So the pandemic, I've talked about this before, that the pandemic is sort of, is a wake-up call to many people who did not have a have a uh, emergency fund before this yeah. started, who were not putting money away for their retirement or other things. They were kind of just living paycheck to paycheck, which was about 50% of Canadians living paycheck to paycheck. So the, the, the pandemic is going to fundamentally change the way we feel about our money. And so this, this survey is showing that many people, once we get out of it, are going to be much more focused on not just having a financially, uh, not just having an emergency fund, but also being a little bit more financially astute, just making sure they're not getting into so much debt that they can't handle any bumps in the road. Because the pandemic has affected us globally, but that does not mean that there can't be individuals that will go through their own financial crises in the years to come, losing a job, losing a spouse, your business going under. So many things can happen individually uh, that are that's just as dramatic as this. It's just that right now we're all going through it, so we're all talking about it. But people have their own, uh, you know, economic downturns in their own lives all the time, even when the economy is doing well. And in order to to survive that, you have to set yourself up for success. When things are good, you got to make sure that you're not borrowing too much. You got to make sure you're putting money in that emergency fund, and you got to make sure that you have money that you're saving consistently for retirement, your kids' education, other things that are just important that you know are going to happen no matter what. 
And you have to be able to say that even in tough times, I'll still tough times, I'll still be able to make these things happen. Yeah, as uh, you know, my everyday uh, work life, um, I'd say ninety-five percent of the people I talk to, going through an insolvency, a proposal, or a bankruptcy, shakes them up in a way that this pandemic I- is doing right for people. Um, and that, that's the whole point, right? It, it gives you the perspective. You go through something. Wow, I you know I kind of survived this, and so maybe I'll change my my behavior going forward. So. I don't want everybody to have to go through insolvency to, to get this effect. So if it if the pandemic does the trick for a lot of people, it's kind of a, a good thing. You know, we all have to go through something, you know, bad things. I went through an addiction and insolvency myself um, to be able to come out the other side. So, yeah, that's a it's a kind of a silver lining here. If you survive this financially, then uh, it gives you that perspective to maybe save a bit more and uh, understand that you want to be ready for next time. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people who grew up during the Depression, so that generation mm-hmm. that grew up the before the people, the, the parents of the boomers that grew up during the Depression, uh, were probably the most frugal generation. They knew what it meant to have nothing, and so even though the economy picked up after the Second World War and things were people were able to get back to work and start making money again, this was like the boom of the the suburbs. So people started moving into bigger homes outside of the city because you could afford to have a car and drive into work and all these other things that started happening in tandem. The, that generation still held on to those values because they knew what it meant to have nothing or, or to, to really, you know, have to ration everything in order to survive. Not that I don't think we're in that situation, but I definitely think this generation uh, that's growing up during the pandemic. So, you know, anyone from 15 to maybe 30 uh, where it could be they're in their first job or they're just graduating high school or graduating university and understanding how how tough the economy is. They're definitely going to have lessons they've learned now that they'll carry their whole lives. And part of that lesson could be, I've got to make sure I've got money on the side in case there's an emergency because I know what it feels like when there's nothing to go to when an emergency happens. Like I personally, have, I've never had to rely on government benefits um, right. you know, exclusively. I, we get the child tax and things like that, right? The ones that we get uh, even when we do work, but I've never had to go on unemployment. Or in this case, the CERB. I feel very lucky that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But if I had, then maybe I'd have a little more perspective about what that's like and how restrictive that would be. And so a lot of people are getting that now, whether it's their choice or not. So it's a very interesting thing, right, to think, okay, well, you know, I don't, maybe I don't want to have to go on government benefits again mm-hmm. because that really cut down my income potential. Maybe if I had savings up, I could make it through and get my job back uh, later or get another job and, and, and survive and still keep my quality of life. So that's an interesting thing to think about uh, that uh, being forced to go through this might uh, give you that change of perspective as well. Right. I think that um, I think that we're all going to be fundamentally changed regardless of age, but definitely that youngest generation and um we were spending too much moving into the pandemic. We were in record amounts of debt, not just here in Canada, around the world. Um, housing market, you know, again, not just in Canada, but everywhere, you know, we're seeing home prices continue to rise, cost of living continue to rise, and the consumer culture that we've just are addicted to. I mean, we in North America, we are consumers. We don't really make anything. We just consume. That's how our economy runs. Uh, so 
you know, whether it's buying new cars or buying new things for your home or going on vacations or going out for restaurants, that is how our economy runs. So taking a step back and realizing what's important to you, realizing the things that you were spending money on, maybe on autopilot that you didn't even think about, like going out for dinner and drinks with friends on a Thursday night, every Thursday. But now that you aren't doing that, a lot of people might be thinking, I wasn't getting value out of that. I'm going to stop doing that once things get back to normal. Or maybe paying for a service that you have in your home that, you know, you're thinking now that I can't have that service because of the pandemic, I don't really need that anymore, right? Um, Subscriptions, uh, so Disney Plus, things. Crave, Netflix, yeah. what, what am I, Amazon Prime. There you go. You, it, that's a lot of money if you have all of those. And, and that's kind of the full gamut here in Canada. I feel like those are things Canada. we do need during the pandemic. So, <laughs> I so you don't, might not need all of them, right? <laughs> we don't need all of them, yeah. We got Disney Plus last night to watch Hamilton, uh, that, the musical. Yeah, uh, I watched half it, of it last night, and then I fell asleep, yeah. so I'll watch the other half today. <laughs> we, watched, we watched a uh, uh, sort of under-the-table one uh, uh, years ago, um, which you know I think we found by searching the Internet. Um, but uh, it was very poor quality. And uh, <laughs> so this was great to see it all with the close-ups and uh, oh, yeah. you know, like everything like seats, that. Yeah, yeah that, that's good. And, of course, we never got a chance to see, especially the original cast, which everyone wants to see, Lin-Manuel. Miranda exactly, in, yeah. the, in the role, right? And everybody else. I love Christopher Jackson. He's Washington, mm. George Washington. So big fan over here, by the way. Yeah. You have, well, you, you had can't to tell. get to Hamilton. That, uh, got refunded. You did. Yeah. yeah you mentioned go. that. Well, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully the Canadian, uh, uh, the Canadian cast uh, somehow comes back. And I, I would like to see that, too. Yeah. I would like to see it as well. Yeah. When it comes back. I got my refund because I don't like having my money sort of stocked anywhere. I know they were giving this option, oh, you have first uh, dibs at tickets. I was like, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with getting back in line um, because I don't know how I'm going to feel a year and a half from now. You know, maybe we'll get a chance to go to New York and see it. Who knows? I- I'd rather have options than have a company hold on to my money. That's right. Um, but the the point is uh, that we're, we're probably not going to keep Disney Plus past this month, I don't think, unless we find something awesome. At least we'll take the month to investigate it. But then after that, we're not going to let it go on autopilot. To, to, to get back to your point of just yeah. looking at things in more detail, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because these things, they all add up. And um, the pandemic has told us that, you know, we really got to pay attention to the, to the dollars and cents because that's what really can sometimes make or break your budget. I mean, I am not a huge fan of like, you know, um, nitpicking and small. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it because sometimes I think the big stuff is the what really matters, like the house yeah. that you buy, the mortgage rate that you get, the car that you drive. Those are the things that really big affect your budget. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can save so much money just by just renegotiating your mortgage, but then people get stressed about lattes every day. Go drink your latte, but go get a better mortgage rate. Yeah, and save that's 20, 30, save 40 grand yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But there's still some value in knowing that if you're not getting anything out of it, why are you paying for it? Stop, stop buying that thing. Right. So uh, if you don't have value out of a streaming service, uh, cancel it. If you don't need two cars, get rid of one. All those things are going to save you tons of money. Mm -hmm. Um, This has been a good one. I liked the fact that we got some questions in today from from listeners. And um, I really encourage anyone who is a dear Ruby listener to write to us or send us an audio question Um, whatever it is that you're concerned about during the pandemic or even beyond any personal finance question that you may have, you know, in the summer, heading into the fall, uh, whatever it is, if you filed your taxes or not, like we got today, uh, we'll uh, try our best to answer that question. And uh, if you send us an audio question, we'll actually play it on air. Uh, I really, you know, 
as we move through the pandemic, I really think that people are starting to get used to this new normal, starting to understand, you know, that we're in this for the long haul. And we're with you for that long haul. We'll be bringing you an episode every single week about everything happening with personal finance and COVID-19. And um, it's, 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 it's a pleasure, actually, to be able to bring information to Canadians that they can actually use. Yeah, this is, uh, this is great. I'm glad we're continuing to do this. Um, even uh, we'll try it in a couple of weeks when I definitely have my son uh, with me. We'll have a little experiment there. See how that yeah, one goes. Yeah, looking forward uh, to that. Th- that's reality, right? We, sometimes you know we we got to do stuff when we have other things going on. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. Uh, see, I'll see y'all uh, so next week. Sounds good. Uh, if you need to reach us, you can go to dearruby.com. D e a r r u b i. Dot com. You can follow us on Twitter at Dear Ruby Podcast. You can also uh, find us on Instagram, uh, Dear Ruby. So check us out that way, and we hope to talk to you next week. See you later. Bye.